Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Come see the Boutique on Central in downtown Laurel for the best deals in women's fine clothing. Let us complete your one-of-a-kind look at the Boutique on Central at 531 Central Avenue in downtown Laurel. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I had uh, I really enjoyed that conversation with Adele Lyons. She's such a terrific community leader and the work the Coast Chamber is doing and really the work that all the chambers along the coast are doing to serve the business community and sort of be the voice of the business community. Just awesome to see what all they're involved in. Man, they, they they stay busy, that is for sure. Speaking of staying busy, we're going to shift over to my friend Nicholas Conger, Dr. Nicholas Conger, an infectious disease doctor from Memorial, who's been a regular on Koshi. We haven't visited in a while, but um, which is a good thing, actually. That means that's a really good thing. But I've been really looking forward to catching, uh, catching back up with you, Nick, and just, you know, first of all, saying, seeing how you're doing and, and just uh, to say, uh, you know, thank you for for what you've done for coastal Mississippi in the last couple of years. It's been no rest in your world for sure. Well, I appreciate that. Um, and it's great to be back on. So thanks for having me again. And, you know, we just keep uh, rolling along, uh, you know, as things keep changing and, and we just keep adapting and doing our best to take care of the patient. Well, we're going to get, we're going to get the latest, <clears throat> but uh, I've, I've talked in the past on my show about uh, the 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 pretty serious bout of AFib that I had. What made mine unique was that I had what is called a supraventricular response. Uh, Dr. Mullins, my local cardiologist, says that actually what that means is that the conductive health of my heart is is good. That's that's one of the signs of, of good conductive health. I don't have underlying coronary disease or any other issues with my heart. That's sort of the good news. I have an electrical problem that I didn't have, actually. I didn't have any uh, arrhythmias, they call them, you know, you know, heartbeats that shouldn't be like they are, until I had COVID. I had COVID, and then I had two Pfizer shots. It's not clear sort of where the situation, where it came from, but I never had a PAT until after my COVID experience, and you and I I've talked about this many times. So then I go off to Destin, and I'm there for a week with my family. And on the Thursday of that week is when I had uh, a a fib. It frankly scared me to death, Nick. I sent you a note, and then through friends of ours, uh, as you know, my son's daughter, my son's wife is a nurse as well. And uh, we reached out to her. We heard from Dr. Owen, doctor, from you, and Dr. Mullen, all of them. I'm trying to decide what did I need to do. You know, they they were wanting to convert me in the emergency room, and they said definitely don't do that without a TEE, so that you can be you know assured that there's not going to be there's not any kind of uh, uh, blood clot in your heart. You know, you got to be you got to be careful about that, especially since you hadn't had this before. So uh, you know, went into the hospital, uh, into a step down ICU unit, and. Uh, at midnight, I converted myself. Now, the scary part about it, I was out for a short period of time because my heart actually stopped for like seven seconds. But then, I, you know, once I woke and, and the nurses explained to me what was going on, all the bells and whistles that were going on, it says not terribly unusual for your heart to actually stop for a period of time before it reconverts back over to a normal sinus rhythm. Still doesn't make it unscary, you know, when you look at it on the tape and you see asystole for seven seconds. But um, I've had no issues since. 
since then. Dr. Mullins has done a great job here locally. I'm on a low dosage of an antiarrhythmic drug, and I'm doing really good. But they say that heart arrhythmias are uh, one of the byproducts of COVID. And, and again, I didn't have any issues till I had COVID. So it may, hopefully it's something that will resolve itself. And that's what I, that's what I hope for. But, um, you know, it's just something I'm going to have to deal with. And it's not the first time you've heard this story, is it? No, uh, certainly not. You know, so, you know, a lot of times some of these arrhythmias like atrial fibrillation, or, there are some chronic changes with stretching of the heart chambers, et cetera. But sometimes it is somewhat out of the blue. Um, there, you know, there's no doubt that when you make an immune response, you can have in focal inflammation anywhere in your body, whether that's from vaccine or national infection. So uh, we do sometimes see cardiac issues after infection or after vaccination. Um, and so certainly something about COVID. We see a lot of people with a known atrial fibrillation come in with an atrial fibrillation exacerbation, uh, you know, and, and we see that a lot. We've seen a lot of people with new atrial fibrillation as well, you know, and it's kind of interesting, you know, the, the people who just had the vaccine say, well, I think it's from the vaccine, so I never should have gotten this thing. People that aren't get COVID say, oh, it's from COVID, maybe I should have gotten the vaccine. So it probably has something to do with your immune response to the spike protein since we see it sometimes after vaccination, sometimes after natural infection. So. Yeah. So just to do, just to so people, if you don't know what atrial fibrillation is, when the the atrium, which is the top chambers of your heart, are literally in kind of a seizure, the the bottom part, your ventricles are actually trying to to pump as normally as they can under those circumstances. The the issue people don't necessarily die from atrial fibrillation, but they do die from really serious conditions that can come if that's if it's not treated. Blood clots are the number one issue. That's that's you as an infectious disease doctor have to deal with blood clots a lot, don't you, Nick? Yeah, again, not necessarily an infectious process, but we certainly see it as a sequelae or a, a due to infections. And again, COVID has led to a lot of pulmonary emboli and blood clots. Um, there is something about natural infection for sure that leads to clotting. And again, uh, some of the uh, some of the vaccines uh, uh, were associated with, with very small percentage, but an increased risk of blood clots, clots following vaccination. So again, something to do with the immune response to this organism uh, that drives that as well so. so it's a crazy disease man it's a crazy disease so if you if you're talking to people about today like where we are today how do you talk about it well you know first of all let's focus on the word today because i like to throw in this disclaimer or try to remember to that you know what i say now may be not true six months from now because the virus does mutate and it, and it, it seems to mutate pretty dramatically and quickly um, right now, this is a very different COVID than, than the Delta wave. I mean, completely different. The Delta wave, we talked, uh, it, was a, it was a really difficult time for us. You know, we had our ICUs were packed. Most of the patients were really sick. Many of them died. A lot of patients on ventilators for, for weeks or months. Uh, very few got off the ventilators. And, and now it's, it's, it's almost like a completely different virus. This new strain is very different. Oh, and also with uh, with Delta, you know, the ones who were vaccinated did better, you know, clearly, you know, with the ones who weren't vaccinated. You know, with this new strain, it's like uh, 99% of the people we see are on either room air or their baseline oxygen. It really isn't attacking the lungs. And so we are still seeing people come in, but they're usually the elderly, uh, you know, people above 80, you know, elderly, uh, um, just not eating and drinking. So they're just decompensating. Their medical conditions decompensate because they don't feel well. Um, they might have what we call electrolyte disturbances because they're not getting in enough nutrition, so their potassium and sodium are off. So things like that. 
but we're not seeing the pulmonary disease at all, you know, not at all. So it's, it's a very different uh, process. We're not seeing young people admitted. Um, most of the half to more than half of the patients admitted are, oh, hey, they also have COVID, but they're here for something else. Um, mm-hmm. It's at high levels in the community. So I, I like this version much better. This version is much better. Um, it's not sounding the alarm bells with deaths. It's not sounding the alarm bells with ICU admissions, and that's a good thing. Well, one of the things we're talking to Dr. Nicholas Conger, who's an infectious disease doctor at Memorial and been a regular on this show, been terrific to touch base with throughout this entire pandemic. One of the things, I, I don't think that media has done a good job, certainly since Delta. That I, I just don't feel like they're confused about how to talk about it. Let's just put it that way. And I actually heard one of them just in the last week or so that said the most, the newest strain is 90% as deadly as the original COVID or whatever. That's, it's almost like they want to send the message that we're in trouble and we're not in trouble. I mean, we're not, the current situation that you're facing is not nearly as deadly as what we have faced in the past. Correct. Correct. It's absolutely nothing like it. It's it's like a different virus altogether. Uh, you know, again, there are some people who get sick from it, but by and large, this is you know we when this remember when COVID first came out, they would say it's not the common cold. It, it's worse than the, it's not the common cold. It's not a flu. It's worse. You know. Well, now it is kind of like a common cold or a moderate flu. Uh, yeah. where two people get sick and get hospitalized, but it's pretty rare to get really sick and die from it. Now again. Things can change. This thing can mutate again. But right now, this is a very mild strain. Okay, so you're an infectious disease doctor, and you spent a lot of time understanding, as part of your profession, understanding the whole issue of how a uh, virus like the the coronavirus um, mutates. And you said from the very beginning that you know you would expect it to mutate. It might become more. Uh, you know, easier to catch and, and less deadly as this thing. That's just sort of the normal route. What has surprised you about this one? Well, quite frankly, the Delta wave surprised me because that was the opposite direction. That was a more contagious, uh, more deadly, uh, more severe version. Um, and again, usually the natural order is to be less deadly. And that's because if you just think about it, I mean, it's not like the virus is a thinking being, but if the virus wanted to survive, it would want to make people um, sick enough to cough and sneeze and hack because that's how it gets spread, right? But not so sick that they curl up in bed and don't move because then they're not going to go out and spread it to other people. And so uh, the most efficient way for a respiratory virus to transmit is to be uh, mild, uh, you know, severe enough to make you cough and hack, but mild enough that you keep going about your business so you, so you spread it person to person. And that's generally what things usually evolve towards. And, and, and we're fortunately right now seeing it with this virus. Well, hopefully, hopefully it's mutated away from the lungs. <laughs> hopefully. <Yep. laughs> Hopefully, yeah. So we're talking with Dr. Nicholas Conger, an infectious disease doctor at Memorial. When we come back, I'm actually curious about what he does when he's not dealing with COVID. What What's a day in the life of Nicholas Conger and his team look like? I want to. We haven't had a chance to really reflect about that. We'll see you after this break.
also listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. Uh, I look back on my time at Coast View. Started the show a little over two years ago. And, uh, uh, you know, the pandemic was kind of getting started. We really didn't know what it was all about. We actually started this show in in the uh, studio and had guests coming to the studio. And then I remember I had on the way to the studio one day, I heard a news report where I really began to understand how you catch COVID. And I realized, wait a minute, we, you know, I'm sitting right across from someone in the studio this is probably not smart. Uh, we were kind of ignoring the reality. We went ahead and shifted to doing the shows remotely, something we had planned to do from the beginning, incidentally. But there was a time when I wanted to actually work in the studio to learn a little bit more about the radio stuff. And we started doing the show remotely, and we haven't stopped since. And I look back from the, from the very first time that Dr. Nicholas Conger and I started talking um, and through today. I mean, he's so practical. He's, you know, he just he cares about his patients. He represents himself well, his team well, and he's very practical-minded, always very practical-minded about the whole situation. And that's, you know, I've, I've enjoyed that. You haven't, you sounded the alarm when you needed to, and you didn't when it was not necessary to do that, when others might be sounding the alarm. You've been a voice of reason, I guess is the way I want to say that. So uh, so it's in a lot of ways, man, COVID, COVID uh, changed you. Professionally, I mean, you can't go through what you've gone through and not have been changed dramatically by it. But what does the normal day in the life of Nicholas Conger look like? Well, first of all, thank you for those kind words. Much appreciated. Uh, um, we've done our best to just try to try to be, like you said, practical minded. But so infectious disease doctors, you know, we are a little bit unique. We're a, a subspecialty of internal medicine. So you do internal medicine training first and then you do two to three years of extra infectious disease training. And um, we have a mit- we're kind of unique because we're a mix of inpatient and outpatient. So we have consultations in the hospital we see. So we do hospital rounds usually first thing in the morning and then we and then we transition to clinics. So we see people as outpatients. And so we treat infections that other doctors need help treating, you know, uh, severe like um, like uh, orthopedic infections, uh, joint infections, uh, uh, ulcers that aren't healing and diabetics and wounds and things like that. So uh, infections that require high dose or multiple antibiotics that they need intravenous antibiotics, we usually manage that and the potential side effects and the, the lines that go along with it. Uh, we manage that for other physicians. And so they send us consultations on things like that. Sometimes consults for uh, fevers that people can't figure out or we think they have an infection or do they and the weird stuff do they have a weird infection like a fungus or a parasite or uh, something unusual and so we do workups like that as well and then we also take care of chronic viruses like hepatitis b and hiv we treat hepatitis c so it's it's a good variety you know i started off in the air force and so i got to do a lot of travel medicine and um, tropical infectious diseases uh and that was a real interesting thing and that's what attracted me to you know infectious disease initially so yeah and that's so interesting so what is what is the makeup of your team tell me about what 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 kind of team does it take to do what you do so um you know it, it, it you know so we you definitely need a team. And so I work with excellent nurse practitioners that uh, that definitely help stretch me uh, so that we can see more patients. And I try to see every initial consultation and then they can carry out the plans. And so I couldn't do what I do with the volume of patients we see without their help. And they're fantastic. And we, you need a, you need a motivated and uh, skilled uh, nurses um, 
you know, our nursing team, because they're, they're calling the home health companies, they're following up on the patients too. Patients will call with, with problems and troubleshoot it. We work closely with a lot of the local pharmacies uh, uh, that, that deliver home intravenous antibiotics um, and, uh, and the home health companies as well that, that see our patients that are giving them antibiotics at home. Um, so there's a, there's a lot that goes into infectious disease. Uh, also, we have to kind of be open-minded to acute infections. You know, you can't plan an infection. And so if somebody has something urgent that day that needs to be seen, uh, you know, it's frustrating for physicians to say, well, no, I don't have that patient scheduled. But we kind of do need to sometimes drop what we're doing and see that, that ill patient right there on the spot because that's when the infection shows up, you know. So we don't often get to choose uh, choose when we see patients. So we try to be flexible in that regard as well. Yeah, in some cases, I, I, I'm a little bit familiar with this because I have a cousin in Birmingham who has fought over many years. He's had um, uh, diabetes. He's had some heart issues. And he has neurophony in his feet, and he lives on a farm, and he still does work on the farm, which is amazing to me. But he can get a sore on the bottom of his foot, and because of the neurophony, he can't feel it. And it will get bad before he realizes it's bad. And by the time it gets bad, you know how this works. Um, it's almost impossible to heal. I mean, it's it. I mean, I watch him sometimes on one sore on his foot. It may take months, literally months. And he's had to have a couple of uh, toes amputated along the way just because they couldn't solve it. But um, I, I'm, he'll have to fight this the rest of his life. But 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 by the time they get to you, oftentimes they waited a little too long, and it's you know you wait another day. I mean, you could it could be life threatening. Yeah, you know, and definitely with this COVID outbreak, we saw that. So the uh, severity of the wounds when people come in is dramatically higher than it was before COVID. Uh, so people, unfortunately, come in sometimes and, and it just it's obvious from the first minute you see them and see their wound that they need a, uh, an amputation because it's just not going to work. You know, and, and antibiotics, you know, kind of antibiotic slingers, that's what we do in infectious disease. We try to give you the right amount, not be excessive. Um, but we also have to know the limitations. Antibiotics alone will not heal a wound. It requires wound care. The patient's taking care of their diabetes, taking care of their high blood pressure, their chronic problems. So so the, the antibiotics are one part of their treatment, but you've got to treat the whole patient. I remember one particular patient that you mentioned on the show as an example of why you needed to urge people don't put off going to the hospital because you're afraid you're going to get COVID because some of these infections can be really severe and some people can lose limbs and even die as a result of it. I was really, I really respected you for how you urge people to, to take care of themselves. But anyway, Dr. Nicholas Conger, infectious disease doctor from Memorial. It's been a pleasure to catch up with you, my friend. My pleasure on this end as well. Thank you so much. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.